Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. Whether you work for government or industry, we're here to help you understand how the other side thinks. Our mission, to make government contracting better one contract at a time. Today's episode is brought to you by Uninet. Uninet provides a single source of truth and removes the barriers to sharing real-time information caused by using separate business systems. Use Uninet for all projects, people, and financials, or integrate seamlessly with other accounting and ERP systems. As a small business owner, I need to focus on transforming and growing my business. Uninet allows people like me to keep their focus on growing their company instead of just managing transactions. Yeah, Kevin. And, and large businesses sometimes have built information silos with separate systems for each business function. That means that you can end up with different answers to the same question depending on who you ask. Uninet breaks down those barriers and provides a single source of truth. Visit uninet.com slash podcast to learn more. That's U-N-A-N-E-T dot com slash podcast. Or you can attend one of the upcoming Lunch and Learn events, February 23rd in Orlando, Florida, February 24th in Tampa, Florida, or February 25th in San Diego, California. Register today at uninet.com slash podcast. Okay, today's episode is about government approval of business systems. Let's get started. Hey, Kevin, today we're going to talk about the concept of an approved accounting system. We are. There are different levels of accounting scrutiny that are impacted by things like the size of your company, the size of the contracts you've won, whether or not they were competed, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. For example, one of our clients, they were kind of overshooting and they thought they needed an approved accounting system when really what they needed was an adequate accounting system. So we're going to go through the difference today. Now for our usual FAR time. We're talking FAR 31101. We're talking cost principles here. And FAR 31 is the, the cost part of the FAR. It says the overall objective is to provide that to the extent practicable, all organizations of similar type Doing similar work will follow the same cost principles and the procedures. So the FAR wants to know that everybody's following the same rules. It makes total sense. 31103A says you got to use these principles when you're pricing negotiated supply service, basically all <laughs> contracts that you're pricing, <laughs> or contract modifications whenever cost analysis is performed as required. So when the FAR requires cost analysis – that cost analysis has to be done on pricing that was prepared in accordance with this these same principles and procedures across all contractors. So where does the FAR care about this? 31103B says this matters when you're determining the reimbursable portion of the costs under cost reimbursable contracts and subcontracts. So that's like all the costs or the cost reimbursement portion of a time and materials contract. So, you know, the time might be a fixed rate, but the materials part is cost reimbursable. That's where it matters. This also is really important in establishing or negotiating what the indirect cost rates are for your company. And it goes into pricing changes and contract mods on all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I, I like how it says other contract modifications. That's kind of a catch-all. <laughs> if you can't really tell what the cost should be, this is going to apply. So just put that out there. Why does the government demand this kind of fidelity in, in costs, in, in accounting systems? They don't trust you. Um, <laughs> as, as harsh as that sounds, I mean, think about it. You always talk about how all it takes is one bad apple and we get a whole new section of the FAR. 
And this is probably an example. <laughs> they don't make rules unless somebody does something that makes them mad. And then they make a rule exactly. to keep everybody else from doing that. And so the idea is that the government wants to say, we need to know you can appropriately allocate track and accumulate costs, right? So that's that's basically why this uh, whole part of the FAR exists is the government needs to be able to understand that you can manage your books. So let me give just a, a little bit, a, a top-level description of what this allocate, track, and accumulate costs. Different types of costs. There's direct costs, and these are costs that have a single objective, which means you're, you as a company, you incurred this cost only because you're performing on this contract. So like the direct labor cost, what you're paying a guy for an hour of work who's doing work just for this contract, that's a direct cost. There's also indirect costs, and these are costs that – apply to more than one objective. So you, you incurred this indirect cost in support of this contract and other contracts or other things in the company that don't have anything to do with it. But for instance, like the, the accounting person is usually an indirect cost. The person that that's collecting all of the, the costs and putting them onto an invoice and billing the government, if that's not you, if you're you know a sole proprietor. But a lot of small the, businesses, that we're talking about the same person. Right, right. But, but Accounting is usually a function. that it, It's an indirect cost. It, it's something that these people are doing it for all kinds of contracts, and therefore that cost doesn't just get billed to one contract and one customer. So direct, indirect. The important part here is allocable to the contract. These are costs that apply to your contract and allowable. The FAR has a whole list of costs that are allowable to charge to the government and are unallowable to charge to the government. So zoom out for a second and think about why we're doing this. The government is giving a lot of people or a lot of companies a lot of money on a lot of contracts. It's just the scale of this, right? So in order to keep some some semblance of, of stability there, they need to have some way to make sense of all these different contracts. And one of the ways they do that is they standardize what does an adequate accounting system look like? What does an approved accounting system look like? What is the definition of allowable? You know, that kind of stuff. So that's what we're going through. The basics here, all contractors are required to have an adequate accounting system in order to do business with the government. The good news is that adequate, it's a pretty low bar. It's you know, business 101. I mean, it's, if you understand how to keep track of the books on your company, you've probably met this standard. Right. It's different than, than, than approved. An adequate or acceptable accounting system means that, that you can, and this is more far kind of stuff, but you can accumulate and report the cost for each final cost objective, meaning each government contract or if there's multiple line items, by line item. But you need to be able to segregate your direct costs from your indirect costs. You need to be able to allocate those indirect costs correctly across everything. You need to be able to book these costs on a monthly basis so that you can charge them to a contract regularly. So let me talk DFARS for a second because they actually have a great a definition of what an acceptable accounting system is, and uh, this supports your low bar thing, Kevin. DFARS says an acceptable accounting system is a system that complies with these criteria to provide reasonable assurance – doesn't mean 100% assurance, but reasonable assurance – that you're complying with applicable laws and regulations, that your accounting system and cost data are reliable – that you're minimizing because of that you're minimizing the risk of misallocations and mischarges and that your the way that you're allocating the costs and charges to contracts are consistent with the procedures that you've laid down for this is how you said you're going to do it this is how you're doing it 
and then your bills actually match that as well. <laughs> yeah. So, so in other words, the, what you're billing is for matches what your costs were. And, and again, that's basic accounting. Exactly. The the common deficiencies, DFARS actually lays out common deficiencies that they're trying to to prevent. And first is contractors not making at least monthly determinations of costs charged to their accounts. So meaning are you, are you posting your costs on a regular basis so you can bill? They're not just hanging out there forever. Next, uh, the, the failure or inability to properly segregate between direct and indirect costs. Improper timekeeping is a big one. Either not collecting time according to segregating between different contracts or double counting people's time. The real trick is just making sure people are charging the right charge codes at the right time to make sure that their costs go to the right accounts and are billed to the right place. Next common deficiency is is a failure of a contractor to exclude the unallowable cost. So if you can't properly segregate unallowable costs from allowable costs, then you are probably going to bill some unallowable things to the contracts, and that's bad. So as you get bigger, what happens? So as you get bigger, this is where the approved thing happens. So as a small contractor, you need an adequate system. Like you said, it's business 101. It does the basic things well and in a repeatable manner. As you get bigger, outsiders, government agencies like DCAA, if you're working with the Defense Department. That's DCAA is Defense Contract Audit Agency. Right. We've got to make sure we support those who don't know all the acronyms yet. <laughs> right. So the bigger you get, the more scrutiny there are on your systems. And it's not just accounting system we're talking about. Also, your estimating system, the way you build pricing, the way you build up your price for a proposal, your purchasing system, how you go about subcontracting for people support and how you go about buying materials from vendors, there, there's lots of rules. And if you're a really big company, an approved purchasing system sort of means you're buying stuff just like the government does. You have all these the same kind of requirements for competition, small business usage, all those things. So what I'm trying to say is this stuff really applies that to larger businesses and if you if you have large contracts and it, it scales as you go. So why is this important? Because cost will always matter. I mean let's let's not uh Let's not forget that these are our tax dollars after all. Right? So they always want to know, are these actual costs? Uh, what, what are you, how are you managing your money? Because your money is, and the effect of a government contract is coming from the taxpayer. So the, there is some expectation of scrutiny. And you may not be awarded bigger contracts unless you have an adequate accounting system. So sometimes, for example, in an RFP, you may see that an expect it may not be a requirement, but it may be, it could be. It depends on, on how the contracting officer decides. This There's clauses for that. Yeah, there's a clause that says in order to bid, you have to have an approved accounting system. Yeah, it's actually but a provision. It's a provision if it's in an RFP. But now we're really splitting hairs. Yeah, we're splitting hairs. <laughs> yes, provisions go on RFPs and clauses go on contracts. But that's a whole different podcast. But the, understand that you you might need it just to be able to bid on certain contracts. It's how the government can trust you and know that your costs are what you say they are. Um, it's a little bit faster way to get things done because once you've gotten it approved then all the government agencies you work with, then they can all, for the most part, kind of trust that you have done your due diligence here. And it's important because you want to be proactive about having a a solid accounting and trusted accounting system, but you don't want to be too proactive because it can be incredibly expensive to get all this stuff in place. 
Yeah, it's interesting. The, uh, the analogy I'm going to use, it's a fun one. So I had uh, guacamole last night. My wife makes legendary guacamole. And the funny thing about the guacamole in our house is you buy the avocados and avocado is a really good for you uh, vegetable, but it's got, it's, I guess it's a fruit probably, but it's got its issues because it's not ready. It's not ready. It's not ready. Oh, wait, you got to cook it today. Oh, wait, you blew it because it goes, it turns to mush on you, right? So it's, you're timing it perfectly. And that's, and it's a weird analogy, but that's kind of how this feels. It's like, no, we don't need it. No, we don't need it. Oh crap. Well, now we really need it. Yep. So Too you late. Kinda have to, <laughs> yeah. It, Cause when, when the, when the government comes to you and says, you don't have an approved accounting system, we can't give you this. Or a teammate says, I want to have you as a subcontractor on this hundred million dollar project. Do you have an approved accounting system? And your answer can't be, what's that? So, you know, there's, you don't want to be too late. So that, think of it like, like the avocado. And anybody who makes guacamole will get this story. It's a stretch. But I know but where hey, you're headed. At least now I made you hungry for guacamole. <laughs> Let's get specific on why the government should care about this. I think you already touched on this, right? This is this is taxpayer dollars. So this is your dollars. And the reason that we have all these rules is that contractors, although a very, very small minority of contractors, but they've taken advantage of the, the immense amount of contracts, immense amount of things that the government buys and rip the government off. And there's severe penalties for doing that, but it's important that we have a system in place that says here are the rules that you have to follow to prevent people from ripping the government and therefore all of us as taxpayers ripping us off. It's how you can tell that their costs are correct, right? That's really – as a government person, that one of the things you want to know. The nice thing about getting, and I mentioned this a little bit a minute ago, the idea of getting an approved accounting system, it, it's something you can do government-wide or at least probably defense contract-wide, for example. If that's going to be the situation where you're going to want to have this in front of multiple different agencies, then it makes sense to put the effort into it. Because here's the trick. Don't ask for it when you don't need it. And the reason for that, one of several reasons for that, is that the people who... Go, Remember, government contracting is still done by people, right? The people who are going to be approving that in the Defense Department anyway is DCAA. And if you're paying attention at all to how this whole process works, DCAA people, auditors, government auditors, they're, they're getting harder and harder to find. There are more and more things that apply. They're having it really hard to keep up. Um, a lot of times, and I think you have a, a story of this, is that just having someone come and actually audit your books to approve your system there's a queue for that, and it's a big queue, and you, it may take you a while. So, when you tell when you as a, on the government side, when you tell somebody, "Hey, I need you to have an approved accounting system," understand that 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 puts into play things they don't control. Yeah, as a small business, I I begged to have someone come approve my accounting system because we'd gotten big enough that every contract that we got to, the contracting office asked if we had an approved accounting system, and I'd say. It's ready to be approved. I think that it meets all the requirements. Please, please send someone to approve it. But you got to understand, DCMA, DCAA, the, the audit folks, the, the contract management folks on the government side are overwhelmed. And like you said, there's a, there's a queue. You got to wait. And the big companies with the biggest contracts present the greatest risk in just in amount of dollars to, to the government. So that's where they get their attention. So as a small to mid-sized company, sometimes it's hard to get that type of that blessing, that stamp of approval that that we're talking about with the the approved accounting system. And and the reason that we're foot stomping this so much is is a, as a contracting officer, I didn't see that. 
So these approvals are the the blessing by say DCAA. This actually saves that that one for one. Every government contracting office doesn't have to do their own diligence into your the rigor of your accounting system to say yes this is an acceptable system or this is an approved system that's why it's great to have these agencies that can do that and prevent the duplication of work unfortunately right now i I feel really sorry for the the folks at dcma and dcaa because the the amount of stuff that they're expected to do does not at all match with the number of with the resources the number of people that they have to do it so let's move to why industry should care about this. I think this is where your avocado example really makes sense to me. Industry should care because you need to be proactive about it, but not too proactive too soon or you'll get drowned by costs that you're incurring doing stuff that no one requires. So you you have to be ready on the day that you need it, but not before and certainly <laughs> not too much after or you're really in trouble. And, and unlike in the commercial world, where the the price is the price for the most part. They're not going to ask to see your books. The government cares what your actual costs are. And in some cases, they won't work with you if you can't prove them. And so this is one of the ways that you prove them. Right. You need to be able to understand whether you're making money or losing money. And having an approved accounting system or, or an adequate accounting system gives you some confidence that you actually understand whether you're making money or losing money. And it gives the government folks the confidence that you're going to be in business and you're going to be able to perform well without any drama. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Is you're, you want to be a low-maintenance contractor who is doing just fine, but not making too much money. <laughs> right, so, right. And if you can show them that you have a, a, you know, an accounting system and you follow the procedures in place, then that gives the government more confidence that you're going to be able to deliver what they need delivered when they need it delivered. You're not going to go out of business because you had no idea how to run a business. So the good news for industry is that the requirements scale along with the size of the business and the size of the contracts that you get. Now, the rules are real hurdles as you grow. The threshold going from being uh, a small business to a large business under the government definitions of small and large, that threshold is it's huge. The number of things required of large businesses that aren't required by small business, it's amazing. But back to the good news. The good news is that as a very small business, you don't have many requirements on this kind of thing. You just have to have that adequate accounting system. You have to be able to show that you you can do basic business. You can keep basic books, right? If you don't have any prime contracts with the government, there may be no one that's ever even looking at anything. So the bar is pretty low. But you have to remember that if you're doing a good job as a business, you're going to grow. And eventually, you're going to have to meet all these standards. So build your systems with that thought in mind. As you grow, be thinking about what you'll need for the next step. It's important that you keep records of of everything that you do as a small business so that you can prove this kind of stuff. I, I can't even count the number of times I've had to go back and blow the dust off some old accordion folders and pull out an invoice and they were looking at travel costs and go back a few years and find an invoice and prove that you did incur those costs and they were applicable to that CLIN. So luckily, not luckily, we did it right. We had the receipts from those trips stapled to the, the actual invoice that was in our file. So it was really easy to show where that all the stuff is. So that's just my small little side. Keep records of everything as you grow. You're going to need them. <laughs> there you go. 
So the lesson is be prepared for this increased scrutiny on your systems, not just accounting systems, but other systems as you get bigger contracts. Even if the thresholds for for applicability haven't been triggered yet, once they're triggered, you need to be ready then. And as you grow, even if the thresholds haven't been triggered yet, having these systems in place gives your customers confidence that you're ready for that next step. So it's uh, it's not easy, right? But here's the good news, or more good news. The government is here to help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in FAR 31002, uh, and there's an availability of an accounting guide. So it, it actually says, this, I, this, it's amazing the things you're reading the FAR. So contractors needing assistance in developing and improving their accounting systems and procedures may request a copy of, and there's a Defense Contract Audit Agency pamphlet. I'm sure it's going to be riveting reading. But yeah. in all seriousness, they, they have checklists on the DCMA.mil website. I mean, they're, you don't, don't think that you have to sit here and wait for a DC, DCA person to show up. Yeah, DCA they, they have, and DCMA have a huge collection of, of resources for small businesses. Just the, uh, the accounting system stuff we're talking about today, they have a checklist for how do you know if you have an, an adequate accounting system. And this is a checklist that the government folks will use to ask you questions to make their determination. And it's got all the simple things that we were just talking about. Like, can you segregate costs like this from that by line item? Do you know how to exclude unallowable costs in accordance with FAR Part 31? The, the basic stuff we're talking about here, it's not that hard. Yeah, and, and a fun fact that uh, on top of this, one of my friends, he works for in the banking industry and government contracting. And a lot of the stuff that DCAA uses to track whether or not you can manage your costs, et cetera, is the same kind of stuff that a bank will use to decide whether or not they can give you a line of credit when you win a contract. So you're multitasking here. I mean, this, this, is, this is proof that you can really handle your money and it's, it's not hard, but you got to do it right and you got to be obvious about it and you got to know which parts do you show people and you know, what processes do you focus on. That it's not hard if you don't overdo it. And that's why really the, my, my big push for this particular episode is to get people to not overinvest and you know, deliver a Lamborghini when it's like you just need a Chevy. You just got to show your Chevy works. <laughs> right. But all you, all you need really is a Chevy. And, and to, I think some of small businesses spend too much time getting strung out over thinking they have to have a Lamborghini now. And there are so many ways that they can start smartly just by understanding what all this stuff means. That's a great place to wrap it up. There's a sliding scale for the requirements. Starting with with adequate, just because you have a contract doesn't mean you need everything under the sun. You need the, the simple stuff in place. As you move up the scale, getting larger contracts and you, you become a big and complex contractor – you're going to need to have an approved accounting system and approved other systems like like a approved property management system, approved purchasing system and estimating system. So the moral of the story is to try to hit the sweet spot of having enough rigor to your systems when you need them and knowing where the trigger points are so that you're prepared to take that next step. That's a really good wrap up, Paul. All right. Thanks for joining us today. Remember, if you like the CO podcast, please tell a friend. Yeah, we're on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, all those places, and also in the contractingofficerpodcast.com. And the best way for people to find this information that we're giving away for free is for you to tell them about it. The personal touch. All right, Kevin, I'll talk to you later. See you, Paul. Okay, that's it for this episode of the Contracting Officer Podcast. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Uninet, at unanet.com slash podcast. And remember... 
you have questions, comments, or complaints, send me an email at paul at contractingofficerpodcast.com. Thanks for joining us. What does just because you have a contract doesn't need you mean? means I'm tired. I mean, just because you have a contract doesn't mean that you need an improved accounting Uh, system.